This episode of After the Whistle contains profanity. Listener discretion advised. Please enjoy. You know, Ted Nolan gets fired. You know, what what happened with you in Buffalo? You were loved here by the fans. You were loved here by your teammates. You know, what ultimately came to a head that, that you know, got Matthew Barnaby traded? Yeah, it's a long story. I'm going to try to do it as short as, as I can with, with, with while doing it justice to, to everyone and trying to be full, full disclosure. Uh, Teddy gave me a chance, like my junior coach, to really solidify myself at a young age in the NHL and love the style that I played and, and Buffalo embraced it. We're, we're all three, the same type of player. We're, we're, we work really hard. We try to get the most out of our body and we'll do anything for our teammates and for the city that we play in the logo that we play for. Um, we all love Buffalo. You both reside in Buffalo. My kids, I spent a quarter of a century uh, in Buffalo and they're some of the greatest fans uh, in, in the world. And, they deserve a lot better than they're getting now, but that's a story for, for a different day. Or for about 20 minutes down the road. <laughs> Absolutely. We can do a nine hour podcast. And bring it up. I'm fine. Um, we're just going to, yeah, I might have to crack open a beer. Um, is it 12 o'clock? No. Uh, but Ted, Teddy wins coach of the year, right? He has an, a, really a relationship with John Muckler. That's hatred. They hate each other. And, you know, Dom is on Muckler's side because he kind of contaminates and says, Teddy hates Europeans. And then Teddy gets myself and then we're on one side. So it was like half our team was on Muckler's side, half the team was on Teddy's side. That all being it, we worked really hard to be the best goaltender in the world. As quirky a fuck as Dominic is, um, he is the best goaltender to me that's ever, ever played the game. Shouldn't probably do the things, but that's, again, he's a weirdo, but a great goaltender. Teddy gets not fired, but he gets a one-year contract coach of the year. gets a one-year contract. He turns it down. He leaves. They hire Lindy Ruff. Lindy comes in and now I'm, I'm fucking sour, right? I love Teddy Nolan. I love our team. I love what we built. Understand the dynamic that there is hatred between the GM and it spilled over to our team and it became a schmozzle, an absolute shit show um, every day in the room of shit that happened. It was just fucking crazy. And enter Lindy Ruff, uh, who was an assistant coach with Florida. Lindy Ruff is a very, very meticulous coach, X's and O's, much better than Teddy ever was. Teddy's not an X's and O guy. He's, he's a motivator, and I love playing with a motivator. But Lindy comes in, and he was, I'd say, a little arrogant at the time, very new, wanted to make it his team. He was captain of the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, obviously uh, earlier on in, in, in his career, um, well-known to Buffalo, but I never gave him a chance. I, I, I never, from the day it started, I took it out on him and it's not his fault that Teddy didn't get a contract. I was probably immature at the time at that age and took it out on him. I should have taken it out on management and ownership, but I had a loyalty that I've always had and I had it to, to Teddy. And I never gave, gave Lindy a chance. Now we just clashed and that's because of me, not, not because of Lindy as time went on, then it just got worse and worse and worse. And at, at, at one point I was just like, I need a fresh start. I need a fresh start. I need to go somewhere for my career to make as much money as I can. And it was the hardest decision I've ever had to make in my life because 
I love Buffalo. I grew up in Buffalo. I, I went from being a 19 year old kid playing there to now a, a, a 27 year old man with, with a child in Buffalo, a girl that's from Buffalo that I married and all my friends are in Buffalo and I absolutely love being a Buffalo Sabre. So that was the hardest thing that I've, I've ever had to do. Um, I don't want to say I regret it because I was able to play, you know, 14, 15 years in, in the national hockey league, but part of me wishes that I could have been a Buffalo Sabre for my whole career because they're, they're, they, they treated me amazing. Um, they've treated me amazing after my career. They're some of the greatest people in the world and they, they love their sports as much as any fan base uh, out there. Buffalo Sabres, Bills Mafia, all of them put together. They're fucking amazing, man. Yeah, it is. It is amazing. Yeah. And since, you know, since the Bills have been really good the last few years, you've really been able to see, you know, the fan base take off again. How did your skate end up in the TV? <laughs> fucking razor again. Um, the night before we played in Tampa Bay and Lindy benched me after the second period for whatever reason, I, whatever, we, we were battling the whole, the whole time, the whole game. So I, I took pizza and pizza was our trainer and threw, uh, a white towel on my stick and started waving it. And I said, I, I fucking surrender. I surrender. Can't do this anymore. And then I grabbed like I on got, the bench, uh, this on, is the, on bench, the bench, on the bench. And then I grabbed <laughs> popcorn from the popcorn guy, started eating it on the bench. So after the game, Lindy came in, he was sour. And I, in Tampa, the locker rooms on one side and the showers on the other side. Right guys. So I had the, I had the locker where I put my, my suit in that right beside the shower. Rob Ray comes in and, he, and he jumps in the shower and then Lindy comes in to talk to me and we start talking. He goes, hi, you know what? I, I'm sorry. I probably shouldn't have benched you, but what you did was, you know, you can't do that. This is the NHL. And it was my, I probably shouldn't have benched you. I'm sorry. Like whatever. So we had to talk, whatever. I didn't care. Razor's around the corner. The, the shower's right around the corner, like literally like seven feet away. Now, is it just so you, is it just you and Lindy in the room and Razor in the shower or are there other players Correct. there? So did no. you know Razor was in there and that he could hear or? Yeah. Well, okay. I, I didn't know he could hear, but I know he was close. Okay. And I didn't put really two into two. So he comes out of the shower and he's like, I can't believe he fucking apologized to you and said this and that. And I'm like, I'm like, Hey, it is what it is. So we get on the bus, whatever. So the next morning there's a team meeting at like 10 o'clock in the locker room in Buffalo. And I'm sitting there. We don't even know what the team meeting's about. And he starts fucking coming at me. Like I'm sitting in my stall and I sit right beside Razor in our stall. And then Maisie's right on the other side. So I'm sitting beside Razor and, and Lindy comes out. He goes, you're telling everyone I fucking apologize to you. Fucking bullshit. I didn't. I'm like, well, you did. Uh, if I, if I can apologize to me for whatever, yeah, I don't care, but you did. He goes, I go Razor. I go, did he apologize or what? And Razor goes, Oh, I, I didn't hear anything. I, I didn't hear anything. I'm like, <laughs> fuck you. I'm like, are you, is this going on in front of the team? The whole team. <laughs> so we go on. So Lindy then looks at me. He's like, fuck you. What the fuck do you want? I had already asked him in trade. I'm like, I want a fucking trade, man. I fucking told you a hundred times. I want a trade. I don't want to play for you. He's like, fuck you. So he breaks a stick over my stall. So then I stand up. I'm like, hey, if you want to go, 
let's go to a schoolyard like 15 miles out of town and I'll kick the fuck out of you there. I said, I'm not going to fucking do it right here. But if you want to fucking go out town, I'm like, Razor? I, fucking, I said, I fucking... So he fucking leaves. He goes, what do you want? I said, he goes, go fucking ask Darcy or you're for a trade. I go, I have. So I go and I pick up my skates. And now the whole team's just looking. Dixon Ward is like, oh my God. What the fuck is going on? All the players, Derek Plant, couldn't have shoved the pee up his ass right then. Dozzy's laughing. All the guys are fucking like, want to crack up, whatever. So Lindy leaves a room. I come get my skates and Razor says something. So me and Razor start going at it in the fucking room. And I get Razor in a fucking chokehold in the middle of the fucking room. And Razor, again, a lot stronger, a lot tougher. But you know when you get like... Like, are you guys on the floor? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right in the room, in our ditch. <laughs> and I got So you guys fucking, started to fight in the middle of the room? Oh, yeah. We, we fought on the bus once where he knocked six of my teeth out with a headbutt. But... Uh, I had him, I, what? you know, like Razor's tougher than me, but I'm, I'm enraged right now. He, he, he's not, he, he, he's not fighting for anything. He's just like, what's happening. So I literally have him fucking choked out. Like he's red and he's going like WWE where you lock your arm. And I got him fucking choked out on the ground. He grabs me by the balls so hard and squeezes. And I like roll over get up whatever i'm like you're a fucking douchebag and he's a great dude it just it, it is the scene i pick up my skate and i'm like i'm snapping we had a big screen on the other side so i'm getting out and razor said something like fucking you're a bad teammate or something like this at the at the time or get the fuck out of here and i take my skate and i fucking chuck it right into the big screen tv and it's anyone that knows a big screen if you're old like us it's, it's not like a plasma. It's not that thin. It's fucking thick. My skate sticks right in the middle of the, right in the middle of the TV. So I go up to Darcy Regeer's office and I say, I want to trade. This is fucking bullshit again. Well, I guess when I left, <laughs> uh, Dixon Ward just <laughs> sat in front of the TV watching with my skate and <laughs> waiting for the TV to come back on as a joke. Um, but yeah, that's, 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 that's how it happened. Yeah. So that's 90, set. that's 98, 99. Yeah, that's 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 ninety eight because I don't get traded that year. Oh, so you got so that's ninety seven, ninety eight. You guys go to the conference finals that year against Washington, correct? Correct. So take me to the next that, year. That was, then I I, I I have twenty five points in that year, five goals, and then I had thirteen points in fifteen games in the playoffs. My best playoff year ever. That was your Mother's Day hat trick against the Habs. Correct. You remember yeah. that uh, river? You were on the you were on the Canadians then. 97-98. Barney scored a hat trick. Did you go over to your mom like where she was? She was in a suite if I'm not mistaken from the highlight. And did you yeah. go to the glass where her suite was? And like you yeah, were looking we, up at her. You you had a great celebration after that, I remember. Yeah, we uh well my son was born, so it was it was cool cuz it was Mother's Day, it was May 10th, but my son was born May 2nd in in in, in Buffalo. So you know, he was at home with, 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 with my wife at the time. And like I said, I, I was just became a dad for the first time eight days earlier. And my mom was in town to, because the, because of the baby being born, I had family there. So I had rented a suite for all them for the game and it was first round against Montreal. And it just happened to be mother's day. And, you know, she was there and, you know, ended up scoring three goals. And after I scored the third one, I just pointed up to her in the stand who she was absolutely loaded. <laughs> 
loaded. <laughs> Trust me, I know that because when I got the eight thousand dollar bar bill at the end, um, yeah, she it, it, it was a good time. Good time. So. Take awesome. take me to ninety eight ninety nine then. Um, well, first of all, which year was the? I guess that ninety seven ninety eight year was the year of the teeth, right? Yes, yes. So how does so tell, how does, tell no. us that story? How, how does how that do come about? How do you get six teeth knocked out? Dan, you Dan, well, you wait. You want to you want to talk about him getting the headbutt from Razor? Oh, I I, you I, go, I yeah. I don't even know how. I don't even know what to say. It, it's a short story, but but a but a funny one and. Uh, I, I told you guys, I have a book coming out, uh, next year, all these stories are in it. Um, and, and many more, a lot of razor, a lot of Maisie, um, certainly are, are on there with seven years that I play with them. But so you remember the, you remember the original one piece stick, the Bush? Oh yeah. Right. B U S C H the black yep. one. Yeah. So we all had our Bush sticks. We were all trying them and whatever, but they were really originally the, the, the original one piece. So Razor didn't get his for like a month and a half. And when they sent Razor his first bush stick, we, we used to practice a buff state a lot of the time. So we, we'd get dressed at Marine Midland and we'd jump on the bus, half our gear with our bags, and then we'd bus over to buff state practicing from back. So we get on the bus, the bus is full, and I'm sitting behind Razor right near the back. And I go, hey, Razor, let, 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 me, let me see your stick. And he's like, yeah, yeah. He goes, just be careful with it. I, don't, I only got one. It says Sugar Ray on it, like all this did, or Razor, or whatever. And I'm like, let me see that. And he's like, just be careful. So all the guys are looking at me and fucking laughing, whatever. And I'm just, I'm just playing. I'm bending. He's like, don't bend it too hard. You're, you're going to break it. I'm like, oh, man, fuck, great curve. I'm going to score with this one, baby. <laughs> and then I just look at him right in the eyes, and I step on the blade and break it in half. <laughs> When I tell you, oh God, I've man. seen Razor mad before. I've never in my life seen rage like I saw from Razor. He stands up and we go fucking toe to toe at the back of the bus. All the guys are just, they don't want to step in. And we're just going, we're throwing fucking pow, 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 back and forth. So he's coaches on the bus. Are the coaches on the bus yet? They're at the front. They're, they're at the front of the bus, but we're at the back of the bus. So I kind of grab onto his arms and, and whatever, and he's looking at me, but he's trying to punch me still, and I'm holding on, and I got his right. He, he can't throw a left worth nothing. So I'm just concentrating on grabbing that right arm. If he hits me to the left, I'm okay. <laughs> and I start, for some reason, I start laughing at him. <laughs> and I'm holding his arm, and he's, he's just getting red. He's just getting red. And he just looks at me, and out of nowhere, he just headbutts me right in my mouth. Now, they were fake teeth. They had got knocked out earlier, but I still had a bridge in. Knocks all my teeth out. My mouth is bleeding all over the place. Lindy gets up. He's like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Maisie's like, pretty good scrap, boys. <laughs> pretty good scrap. And Maisie gets in the middle and breaks it up. But, yeah, that was, that was the bus. Crazy. So he never got, oh, I don't know man. if he ever got his push stick. <laughs> so 98, 99, you end up, you end up getting traded. How does the trade go down? Well, I, I thought I was getting traded the year before. Uh, we were in Calgary and skating around in morning state. I brought like nine bags because I thought there's no way they aren't trading me. Skating around and, and we see Darcy Regeer come over and call Dazi over. Dazi ends up getting traded to like Montreal or New York Islanders. I, 
withstand it, whatever. So the year after, you know, I'm playing, um, I just, even after a great playoff, I just was like, I'm being a bad guy. I'm, I'm not being loyal to Ted Nolan if I don't get out of here. Like I'm, as much as I loved it there and just had a great playoff run, just didn't feel right. So we go through that whole year and I, I'd asked to get traded. I wasn't having a great year at all. And then, then we had conversations and then even two days before it happened, um, pizza, our trainer called me. I remember I was eating at a little Greek place on transit road. And he's like, Hey, if you don't want to get traded, there's three offers that are on the table right now that they're contemplating and you're going to one of these three places. And it was either Pittsburgh, it was Calgary or Tampa. Those were the three places that I, that I was going. So, and I looked at my wife at the time. I was just like, she was, she was pleading with me not to go. She wanted to stay, obviously Buffalo. We had all the help in the world. And, um, I just said, no, it's time. It's time. And they ended up moving me, uh, moving me to Pittsburgh. And I went there and Pittsburgh was a great spot. Great, great people, very much, very similar to Buffalo in, in their sports. And, you know, then you go there and you just want to prove everyone that, that you're a better player than the guy you got traded for. And Stu Barnes, fuck, did he struggle when he went to Buffalo? I think he went like 17 games without a point. I'm like fucking laughing and loving it. Well, Stu Barnes becomes the captain. Stu Barnes is an unbelievable player. Goes on an unbelievable tear through the playoffs. And I'm like, motherfucker. And well, how are you feeling? How are you feeling when they're going through the playoffs? Like they get to the finals. You must've wanted to, you must've been like rattled. Oh man. It it was, it was the hardest. It was the hardest six weeks of my life. I with, with, but I've had how badly were you rooting for them to lose? Well, first we, we lose to Toronto in, in the second round. We beat Jersey. We lose to Toronto. Toronto plays Buffalo and Buffalo beats Toronto. So now, now, now they're in the finals. Now I'm all done, right? I'm back in Buffalo. So every day I'm turning on the radio, I'm turning on the TV and it's fucking Buffalo Saber mania. I just like our dream, like you want to make money, but when you're a kid, you don't dream about making money. You dream about winning a Stanley cup. You, you dream about hoisting that team with your team. Like that's what you dream of. They're in the fucking Stanley cup. I just played there for seven years, gave everything I had. And now they're in the finals. I wanted them to lose so fucking bad. There's nothing I wished for more. And I was, and then they win game one. They win games. I'm in the stands with Brad May. And I'm like, they're going to fucking win the cup. I'm, I'm going to be the guy that has to get traded out and they win the cup. They're going to wear this ring around and show me this Uh, for the rest of their lives. Like I I, I don't even know what I would have done if they would have won. And I wanted it so bad for Buffalo fans. They deserved it so much. And the guys, the guys were awesome. I loved these guys. It was nothing against the guys. This was purely a selfish move on Matthew Barnaby. No. Not wanting to go through the rest of my life. It's it's no not though. That that's such that. a that's such a common emotion because I remember Riv got traded to to Buffalo from San Jose. I remember this yeah, conversation. Yeah. Okay. And I remember San Jose, I think they even won the president's trophy the year Riv got traded to us. If not, they were up near the top of the league. And I remembered like being somewhere with Riv and I was like, well, how are you going to feel if they win the cup this year? And he looked at me and he, this is exactly what he said verbatim. He goes, if the San Jose Sharks win the Stanley Cup, I'm going to fucking puke. It's exactly what he said to me. And I remember they lost to Anaheim that year, I think in the first round, Riv. And I texted you at like, 
one or two in the morning or whatever, because it was a West coast game. And I remember saying like, how good are you feeling right now? And, and he loved Joe Thornton, loved all the guys there, but it's like, it's nothing yeah. personal. No. It's like, I know, love the guys in the team. So when I got there, yeah. my, my, the year that I, I'd finished my, my first year with uh, San Jose, we were second in the national hockey league. We had the most wins on the road. This team was so tight. It was off the chart. Um, I got traded and that year they ended up winning the president's trophy. So they were number one team yeah. in the league. And I was just yeah. like, Oh my God, please do not win this Stanley cup. Please do not win it. Just give me a couple years so I can allow my, my anger to, because I didn't want to come to Buffalo. I didn't want to, yeah. I didn't want to be traded to Buffalo. Yeah. It was like one of the worst spots in the entire league for me to go. And it has nothing to do with the Buffalo Sabres. It had nothing to do with the city. It had to do with, I played for Montreal and I played against these guys for like 12 years. Yeah. And I hated coming to Buffalo. I hated playing against Matthew Barnaby and friggin' Rob Ray and, and, and Brad May and Bob Bugner. And, you know, there were so many guys that it's just like, it was not a fun place to play. It was just horrible. And then I get traded there. I'm like, everybody on the team, hated me pd to an extreme it was just <laughs> not a good situation you know what i'm saying so yeah was was barney on the team your first nhl game riv when you got called up for the brawl in the odd uh yes do you remember yeah, that game was, yeah uh, Bra- um brad may was on the, on the bench and barney was on the bench i know that because i was thinking to myself oh my god this is yeah. this is gonna i go wasn't sliding. on the ice i know that yeah I got called up literally for one game, told I was in the starting lineup. And I was like, wow, to be in the starting lineup for the Montreal Canadiens is like a super big deal. Right. And then all of a sudden I realized the guys that were circled. I'm like, what the, what the hell is going on here? I'm, I'm Lyle Odeline's playing. He's a right-handed defenseman, but he's playing the left side. Got (laughs) Chris Murray, who is a super heavyweight. Yeah, yeah. Donald Brashear, who is a heavy. Yeah. I'm like, what is going on here? Those were two tough teams, man. Oh. It was awful. It was awful. And I played one second, Barney. I got in a fight with, who did I fight? Petey? I can't even remember. I don't remember. Was it Hughes? Yes. That's, yeah. Brent Hughes? Brent, yeah. Yeah. And I, I ended up getting in a fight with him. We got kicked out of the game. And I got sent down that night. So I played one second in the odd. That's the only time I played in the odd. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. What a great building. <laughs> Barney. One so, second. One second. So you and, get. Tr- and and, and the wife says you can't do a lot with one second. Eh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know it. So you get, you get traded to Pittsburgh. You're there, you know, the second half, 98, 99, 99, 2000. And then. Something happened in 2000, 2001. Were you there when Mario came back? Got a freeze. Yeah. Yeah. He was coming back, but to watch that man come back after two and a half years and he gets four points in his first game against Toronto. Like it's a movie. He's he's everything but a movie. He's the epitome of class. Uh, Great dude. But to watch him come back was incredible. What was that like though? Like when he first came back on the ice, like, was it, I mean, was everybody afraid to go near him? Like what, like he's the owner of the team. 
you know, like what's it like playing with an owner? And then also, was there a story where Steve McKenna slid a napkin across the table and said, yo, ace and, and, and had like two numbers on a two year deal on there and, and gave, like, tried to negotiate a contract at the back of the, at the back of the plane. Hey, I hadn't heard that, but it wouldn't put it past him. The guy's a friggin' beauty, six foot eight of just pure beauty. Just awesome. Awesome dude. I, I wouldn't put it about him, but yeah, I, I guarantee that's what happened. If that's the rumor, uh, as for ACE coming back the week before. So we, now we know he's coming back and he's starting to practice with us just lately. And we're after practice and just like four of us are left. And he's like, He's like, hey, Barnes, take a couple runs at me and, and just bump me into the, into the glass. I go, not a fucking chance, man. Not a fucking. He goes, no, I, I want to roll off and, and feel a contact. And you kind of go, nope, get someone else. He's like, Barnes, he goes, I, I need to feel. I go, Mario, not a fucking chance. Am I touching you? First of all, you're 6'5". You're probably going to hurt me. Anyways. But what if I get you just in the right spot and you like twist your ankle or you pop your shoulder? I go, I'm gone. I'm done. I go, it's not happening. So I skated off. I go, one of the young kids, I go, go bump Mario. (laughs) Go bump him. I go, I go, there's no way I'm fucking doing it. And I got off and he just started laughing. He's just, just an awesome. And then one of the nights before he started to come on the road with us and it was like 1130 at night, me, Mark Bergevin, him, a couple other guys were, we're at a Capitol Grill in Washington and we're having a few bottles of wine, but it's 1130, right? And we're a few bottles deep. He loves his wine, but he's not playing. I'm like, okay, boys, I got to go like playing tomorrow. And he goes, where the fuck are you going? He goes, you're sitting with the owner. I think, think you're okay. I was like, all right, you're right. Sat back down, another bottle of wine. <laughs> I've heard that about him. I heard when he played, he like guys would be like, oh, okay, time to go because it's like getting close to curfew or whatever. And he's like, look who you're sitting with. Have a seat. Yeah, yeah. The, the best the best is when you'd go with him and the coach would try to bag skate you after and he'd just give the coach a nod and be like, all right, practice over. Practice over, boys. Good job. He's my all I can't even imagine man. that. I, I, I can't imagine that. I, Playing I, with someone that, that, that that's how great he is. He's uh, one of the greatest, arguably the greatest player to ever don skates. Like, not a lot of people are pretty playing the game. It's a, it's a tough game he's he's like magical to watch like he's 6'5 240 of just pure brilliance if you you ever want to watch like a a ballet person play hockey that's what it looked like like watching him just get it it just it it looked so easy he was fast too eh like really fast with, with with looking like he wasn't going anywhere yeah yeah. Oh man, yeah. that I, that would have been that would have been my all-time dream. I remember I remember taking warm up against Pittsburgh one night and he was in the lineup and I think I just stood there and stared at him the entire time because he's the only player that I I just I I loved him more than anybody any I loved him more than my parents. <laughs> the 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 best is when he comes back and and we're having our pregame meal and he'd been out a couple of years so they cut pop out of the the pregame, no Coke and no, uh, no ice cream and goes over to the lady. He's like, where, where's the pop? He's like, Oh, we're told no pop. It's juices and water. And 
He's like, oh, that's cool. He goes, bring, bring, bring the pop in. He's like, well, we're not allowed. He goes, bring it in. Then he goes to the ice cream. Where's the ice cream? And they're like, oh, we cut ice cream out. And he's like, one second. He goes, this is the guy and it was our trainer, Johnny. And Johnny's like, Mario, like, we're not doing pop and ice cream day of games anymore. He's like, Johnny, how much do you like your job? <laughs> and Johnny's like, uh, bring the pop, bring the ice cream. <laughs> Oh my, I, awesome. I, I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine playing with them. So you, you end up, uh, you go to the, I want to talk to you about playing for torts too, but I, I don't want to go necessarily in chronological order here. I, yeah. The Rangers, Theo Fleury, you know, we talked about him the other day and, and I mean, you played with so many great players on the Rangers, Mark Messier, you played with Lindros. I think Shanahan might've been there when you were there. No, Maybe, Brian, no, we Brian Leach him. was there. Brian Yager Leach. was there. Yager was uh, there. Pavel Burry was there. So, Wow. Theo Fleury, you know, that those were the years where he was kind of like in meltdown mode. Right. And, uh, you know, like if you, you read in his book, you know, he was hanging out some of the tough areas of New York and, you know, drinking with the homeless and stuff like that. Did anybody know that was going on when he was there? We, we didn't know to that extent. I mean, he was, he was literally like in the sewers with like heroin and crack addicts, like underneath New York city like in the tunnels, like crazy shit. We didn't know that was going on. Did we know he was doing blow and, and banging hookers or strippers and flying off to gamble hundreds of thousands of dollars a day in Atlantic city. Yeah. We, we, we knew that. I can honestly say I played with him for a couple of years and, and didn't really know him. I didn't really see him. He would show up to practice, barely tie his skates, go out, do laps. And he was out of there in three seconds after practice, he was, he was gone. So I didn't really get to know him um, until really after playing with him. And I've gotten to know the story as we all have, and it's just sad and, and tragic. And now you can actually piece together chronologically exactly how all this went down. But uh, when I played with him, I, I really didn't know him. And when I, when I did play with him the first year, he went to the Olympics during all this. Yeah, like he he played on the Olympic team, doing all this shit. But no, I I just remember him after like playing in New Jersey or Philadelphia, <clears> him coming on like the bus with like three hundred thousand dollars in a suitcase from blackjack the night before, like just insane shit. And he was making he was making a lot of money back then, wasn't he? Eight point five million. Okay, eight point five back then. Our team payroll was ninety one million in oh one. Ninety one million. And we didn't make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember the the uh, I remember the payroll. I remember hearing us. I who was the who, the same owner, right? Is it Dolan? Yeah, Jim so Dolan. I, I think he went into uh, a team meeting and he was like, or not a team meeting, but like a, a, a management meeting or a scouting meeting or something. And he just basically said, "How much money do we need?" You know, and he, he's like, I'll, I'll spend 90 something million on a team or whatever. And then I think they went out and they got, I don't know if it was when you were there, but Casparitis and whole leak that year. And they went and gave those guys, those, those massive deals. Who was the best star that you ever played with? Like in terms of guy that you had the most fun with. Oh, wow. That, that's God. I play with so many hall of famers, which is, is probably like Eric Lindros. Yeah. Theo Fleury, yeah. Brian Leach. You have Mark uh, Messier. Yeah. You have Pavel Bure. You know, you played with Mary Lemieux. Yager. Yager. Hashik. 
Hashik, Lafontaine, Joe like who, Sackett. Who is the greatest player? Joe Sackett, Peter Forsberg, Marty St. Louis. Oh, man, they're all... Marty St. Louis is the hardest working Hall of Famer I've ever seen, like just in pure desire, just overcoming stuff. The best... I'd have to say Mario, but it was so short-lived and it was the end of his career. Mark Messier was my centerman for two years. Eric Lindros was my centerman for a year. So to be able to play with those guys on a line, um, God, Joe Sackett's the, the, and Mess are, are two of the greatest leaders you could ever have. They don't, they don't necessarily say a ton, but when they when they speak, you you fucking listen, man. Joe Sackick is the epitome of class, too. Just unbelievable guy. Peter Forsberg, he was hurt, but the talent that he had was just ridiculous. I mean, ridiculous. Then I got to play with Mike Medano in 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 Dallas, which was very cool. And then Chicago, I wish I never went to, except for to party. Um, but yeah, like I, I can't name one. Pat LaFontaine, one of the best guys I've ever met in my life. Uh, but Lindros and I, I, I have to look back on it. Lindros and Messier, those two are writing the forwards in my book and having to play with them for three solid years and knowing them, uh, was pretty damn cool. So what, what made Messier such a, like such a leader? Was it just like what he did around the room? Is it how he presented himself? Like, what was he like away from the rank? Uh, New York's a different spot. You have half the guys that live outside the city you have the guys that live inside the city you have at that part in our new york career i wouldn't say i would say it was the least tight-knit group only because we had so many superstars that had different agendas right we had our russian players we had that really didn't hang out with our with our teammates we had mess that was trying to set up stuff but we had guys all all over the place we had how many too many cooks in the kitchen we had too many all-stars uh, but Messa, Messa, I see his greatest thing. First of all, he's an unbelievable hockey player, unbelievable skater. Like I played with him when he was 40 years old and his skating ability is just so effortless. His condition, his body is just, he's, he's a temple. Like he is in sick shape, strong. There's a there's genetically a in sick shape, or is it something that he grossly had to work for? Because there's, you've played with guys that are just absolute genetic yeah. freaks. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But I'd say Scott, uh, Sean was no uh, Thornton, Thornton that I played with in in Buffalo. Um, Scott Thornton. A, no, Scott Thornton was much. He was tough as nails as well. Uh, but no, uh, I'll, it'll come back to me. But just a genetic freak. But he worked hard at it. Mess, I'd say, just genetics. I mean, he worked at it, but he didn't, he was just genetically at 40 years old, did not, he looked like a 25 year old, but there's a reason why he has the, the nickname Moose. I mean, he played, he's a hall of famer that played like a third or fourth line grinder. He just had the talent of a hall of famer, but he played hard. He just played really hard and his leadership capabilities just of, of bringing guys together as his, his, his preparation for the game. And all that mattered to him was winning that if he scored, if he didn't score, whoever scored, it's all, it's all about winning. We didn't have that success, but I can see where that would have translated uh, with those, with those teams with New York, when they won a cup, obviously with the Evans and Oilers. 
John Tortorella, you didn't last long under his watch. Was that you? Was that him? Was that a combination of both? Or was that just your time had come in Tampa Bay? Yeah, no, that, that was, that was purely like Pittsburgh was me. We, we brought in Ivan Holinko, who was a great dude. God rest his soul. He passed away a few years ago, but didn't really understand the role that I played. And, um, it came to an end. I'll go back to Pittsburgh because it, it puts us into there. I, I was sitting on the bench, uh, in Chicago, only guy to fight Bob Probert's on the ice for Chicago, Brad Brown, Jim Cummins. Now I've been yelling at these guys for two periods everything you can imagine. I'm yelling at Proby and these guys like you guys fucking suck. You fucking, you're fucking horrible hockey players, this and that going on and on. I haven't played a shift in two periods. So third period comes, there's like five minutes left. We're up four or five, nothing. And then he's like, Barney, you're up. And I'm like, fuck you, Ivan. I love you. Great guy. But I'm not going on that ice. Cause they're going to fucking kill me. So after the game, I go to our GM who's Craig Patrick. And I'm like, hey, Craig, I love it here. Love everything about, love that you traded for me, but Ivan doesn't get what I'm doing here. Can you move me? He goes, Matthew, I totally understand. Love you too. We're going to move you for you. you. You've been awesome for us. So he trades me for Wayne Primo. And I go to Tampa. John Tortorella is the coach. So I, I go in there. Again, now I'm the only guy, like I was in Pittsburgh. They don't have any other tough guys. So I, I settle right into fighting every single night, not playing any more than five or six minutes. And it's hard. It, it's hard to go out and play five or six minutes and, and contribute. You're not going to score. You're going to fight. And I, I don't want to fight all these heavyweights every single night without playing. I'll do it if I get to play 13 minutes a night. But I don't want to do it playing four or five minutes and being cold when I go to fight these guys. So, you know, get through that year. Don't play a lot. They signed me to a three-year extension for pretty good money because I was going to be an unrestricted free agent the year after. And Torch just came up to me. And, and we didn't get along as player coach in, in the fact that he just thought I sucked. I, I can't say, like, Torch didn't treat me bad. Torch never really yelled at me. Torch is a great guy away from the rink, not a great guy at the rink. He's, he kind of plays head games, and it's his way. Like, like, he's a dictator, like, without a doubt. He's not... But he's not, he's not a bad guy, especially away from the ring. But he just came to me at practice one day. He goes, I don't think you can play in this league. Well, I have a three-year deal. So if you don't think I can play, I'm not going to sit there and, and just fucking dry up. I, I think I have a lot of good years left. So he, I asked for a trade. I just moved to my house 10 days earlier that I built my dream house in Tampa. <sighs> but, I, but I told my wife that I got to do this. So I can provide for you guys for more than just the next three years. I need to build on something. So he trades me to New York. And again, I go to New York and I find a coach. And that's a lot of people just because one coach doesn't like you or one GM doesn't like you. And this is for kids at younger ages or, or going into junior or whatever it may be. Just because one person doesn't like you doesn't mean that you're not good or yep. that you can't play. It just means that person might, doesn't appreciate the way that you play or, or doesn't see what others might, might see. So that's for those out there. And it was certainly true when I went to New York because the next three years, I had three of the best years of my career. 834 games. I, I don't know how many, I've, I read an article a few couple of years ago here in the Buffalo news about you. You were talking about concussions and all this stuff. And what is it worth it with the damage that's been done to your body physically? I mean, we're all suffering from some sort of ailment after hockey. 
Um, we've all been bonked in the head a few times. Was it all worth it, Barney? Fuck, that's a, it's a very hard and deep question. I like the hard and deep questions. Yeah, yeah. Like, Let me ask you it this way. <clears throat> you got a chance to play 834 games in the National Hockey League over a course of, you know, 14, 15 years. If you would have not have been paid what you got paid, is it worth it? No. No. Was it worth it with if what you, you got asked, paid? If you asked me this question, if you asked me this question 10 years ago, I would have said absolutely, absolutely it was worth it. I got to play the game I loved and I got to do it for 15 years and, and achieve all I ever wanted in life. It's all I ever wanted to do. My head bothers me more than the normal person. I get headaches more than the regular person. And the older you get, the worse it gets. And you're like, fuck, like, what am I going to look like in 15 years from now? You know, the things that we don't know. So I will say yes, only for the reason that it's all I ever wanted to do. And, and I've lived an amazing life and I'm very, very lucky, but is it worth it? Is it worth it in, in 15 years if I'm sipping out of a straw and shitting my pants and can't clean it up? Well, the answer is no, because what, what I wanted as a youngster and, and as a kid isn't what I want now. I don't identify myself as a hockey player. Right now. If you meet me in a bar or a restaurant, they say, what's your name? I'm going to say my name is Matthew. I'm never going to say Matthew Barton. I'm going to say Matthew because I don't want people to hang out with me because I played hockey and I really... Now that I'm done playing, I don't care that I played hockey. I, I, I hope that I'm a good person and, and I'm a good dad. All that matters to me now is being a, a, a good husband, a good, a good dad, and a good friend. Hockey is secondary to me now. I, I, I love that I played. I love the game. I love talking about the game. I love being involved in sports. But in the end, no. If, if in 15 years I don't know my own name and I'm shitting my pants and I have to have my my wife fucking cleaning me up. No, it's not worth it because it's such a small part of your life. So what do you, what do you, how do you feel about fighting now in today's game? I, I, I miss some of the action, but I don't miss what we had to go through. What we had to go through was fucking. It wasn't hockey. Ar ar archaic. It's, it's archaic what we had to go through in junior to NHL to a lot of times not even having a choice like these guys have a choice you can fight i i i'm not gonna say i i'm not gonna be hypocritical and say i want fighting out of the game no i, I think it has its spot to do it every single night and, and and have to square off against the other tough guy all the time no i don't i i, I don't want to see that again did i enjoy it for periods of time and being cheered on by fans yeah i have an ego like everyone else i i, I had an ego i love I love people chanting my name and wearing my jerseys and being popular. Loved it. But I, I, don't, I don't miss that side of it where it's just fight upon fight upon fight. The hockey is great. It's fast. We still have a lot of contact. Um, but I don't mind the odd fight. I, I just, I wouldn't want to have to do it. I'd rather play in this league, even though I probably wouldn't have been as popular or as good in today's day and age, but I probably wouldn't have the headaches that I have to deal with as well. It's interesting you say that. 
Do you like the game today? Do you like watching the hockey today? You like the league? I, I like the league. I, I think it's fast. I don't, I, I don't think it's as entertaining as when we played because I thought there was more characters. You, you don't hate teams coming in anymore. Right. Like yep. when we had Montreal come in, we fucking hated you guys and the fans, it's all about the fans. The, the, the fans hated you guys more importantly. So it made for a rivalry. Sports is all about rivalries. It's about stories and rivalries. When we went into Philadelphia, we fucking had hatred. There was a buildup three days before. Now you roll in, guys are on Instagram, guys are on Twitter, guys are buddies. Like, it, it's just not the same. So do I enjoy it as much? No, but I think it's faster and 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 is more as talented. We see the talent level of the Trevor Zegras's and and certainly all the young guys coming in now. The, the, are, are people the getting their money's worth, though? Crazy. That's what I always, I, I you know, I go back. Are people getting their money's worth? You know, I'm going to tell you this. You went back to a game in, in the late 90s and in uh, 2000s, in between 2000, 2010. You look, yeah. at the, you look at the product that was on the ice. It wasn't nearly as fast. It wasn't as skilled. But we still yeah. had, you know, the, the Gretzky's and we had the Lemieux's and, yeah. and the Iserman's and the Sackick's. And you can just go on and on about how incredible our, our, our era was. And it was highly entertaining. I mean crowds were leaving that place cheering um, whether it was a fight or a big hit or an incredible goal by the superstars there was an entertainment value was extreme and I look at today's game the kids are and I call them kids because there's so many young kids in the league yeah yeah. these 18 to 25 year olds are more skilled they're faster, they're better skaters, they're they're more dynamic in the way that they do things like the Trevor Zegras flipping the puck over the net. We no one did that back in the day. You get killed for it. You like yeah. that, Barney? Did you like that? Oh no, I I, I love talent. I have a son that's really talented. So I we I I kind of thought I knew where the game was going a while ago, and I worked on skill with him. He's he's a complete opposite of me, except for he has a worse melting. But he's not gonna he's not gonna fight. He's he, he's more talent based. I, I love the creativity. I think it's great for the game. I, I really, really do. Now, you would have got killed. You, you, you wouldn't try it because you were afraid it might work and you would get fucking killed. But I also don't watch hockey as much as you guys probably do. I watch all sports. I love golf. Golf and football are my two favorites. So if, if I had, like, I watch NFL more than any other sport. I watch golf second. Hockey is probably three for me. And it's, it's, I, I watch it, but I don't watch a game in its entirety anymore. I watch for highlights. I watch for that, but I also bet on all the different sports. So I don't have time to watch every, every single game. So hockey isn't as entertaining, but the skill level, like you guys said, is better than it's ever been. Is there a thought then uh, for our Sabre diehard listeners that uh, you might have about the Sabres today and where they're headed? Well, I said a long time ago when Mike Babcock was uh, kind of shunned the Sabres and it didn't work out well for Mike, it didn't work out for the Sabres, that they were a long ways away. Um, I, I think they work a lot harder than they have in the past. I think in years past, they didn't have that. They didn't have the... I thought they had a lot of individuals. And, and I think Jack Keichel is a, a tremendous player. I think he will do wonders, wonders in Vegas. He's going to make them a legit Stanley Cup contender but between him and, and sam reinhardt and a lot of the good players i thought there was like 
almost like their stars and then the rest of their players. And I, I thought there was a very selfish team for years there. They have to listen. You just can't keep changing GMs and coaches and rolling in. You need some um, cohesiveness from within, but it starts at the top. And until, until they, I, I talked about New York having too many cooks in the kitchen until they really let people do their jobs and not micromanage along the way, it, it's going to be a struggle. There's still a few years away from making the playoffs. And I'm talking at least two, probably three. And they have to identify a lot of spots in this lineup. It's, it's still a team that's very far away and it saddens me. I know it saddens you guys. You guys love the Buffalo Sabres. You guys talk it all the time. Uh, but it's become, you know, what, what was a Bills nation, and it's always going to be a Bills nation. It's, it's Bills Mafia, and it's the best in the world. It's fucking unbelievable. But it, it, it went to the Sabres for, you know, about a decade, maybe even more. And now it's so far out of the realm that now it's all Bills back again. And the Sabres are like the minor league team playing for the Buffalo Bills. It'll be very interesting to see what happens. They just lifted their vaccine mandates for Key Bank Center. And it'll okay. be very interesting to see if fans actually start going to show up. Sabres have lost six in a row. They're at the bottom of the yeah. league. And it's going to be very inter- interesting to see if uh, fans weren't there because of vaccine mandates or or if they are, are weren't there because the team is is good. I think they're for sale, to be honest with you. But I've, I've heard that. I, I, I've heard that for a few years now. <clears throat> but from pretty, pretty trusted sources. Um, but where are you, where are you going to spend your money on a last place team that isn't going to make the playoffs? Or are you going to save your money and put it in the bills and go watch the bills? I, I know what I'd be doing. Well, you better save your money because they're going to build a new stadium and those tickets aren't going to be cheap either. <laughs> right? Ticket, exactly. prices are, ticket prices are only going up. Let's talk about this Sean Avery thing before we let you go. And then your, your bet 99 sports book that you work with and uh, a book that you have coming out. Sean Avery announced last week and he already got let go. Right? So I can only imagine like, like how does that, how does that happen? How do you sign a contract with the solar bears in Florida and the East coast hockey league? And then two days later, you are let go. They obviously know him as well as everyone else in the NHL knows him. No, uh, it, it's funny how it all came. Like, I, I, I'm laying in bed. I think it was 1030 at night. My girlfriend's laying on my chest. And, and I'm like, Sean Avery just signed in Orlando. I go, okay, tweet. Uh, I will sign with any team in that division. Don't care who. As long as I get to play him once or twice more, I finally get my chance to beat the fuck out of this guy. Cause I hate him. Well, um, where does that hatred come from? What, what is there something that was said? Is it just years of, you know, how he played? Was it something that happened in a game with you guys? Like, where does it, where does it stem from? Not really, not really. I, I, I didn't play him all that much. He was always in the Western conference and I was mostly in the, in the Eastern conference. So I never really played against him. I asked him to fight a couple of times and he said, no, um, said some nasty things to him and he just kept on saying no. Uh, but it was kind of done with that. I I'd say it's more, he played in Dallas and he played in New York, two places that I played and loved the people. Not, I love the players, but love the people, the trainers, the, the people that work at the rank and, and all those. And I, I, I've been back since, and I talked to these people, still these trainers for these, for these organizations and just the stories I hear of what a douchebag he was like just dropping his equipment on the floor and trainers asking to pick it up. And he says, that's, that's your fucking job. And just not, 
not treating them with respect. And you know, we were very fortunate to make to make the money. We did well playing. Trainers worked their fucking asses off. Like they they put in the hours. And so I just I just accumulation of hearing these stories. I just grew a hatred. I've never met him in my life. Ne- never met him. And then I was like, one day I was like, fuck, I'd really love to fight this guy. Like just I heard it. I had heard another story a couple of years ago, and I was like, I was like, hey, I'll fight. I'd love to fight this guy in rough and rowdy. We'll donate the money to charity. I'll we'll even throw up a hundred thousand of our own money, and we'll take that money and donate to charity. I just want a chance to fucking beat the shit out of him. And it just kind of went from there. And then he started calling me fat and this and that and and whatever. And I I might have been a few pounds overweight, uh, but it's okay. I was I was enjoying the good life. And uh, just when I saw this this tweet quote that he signed, I was like okay, if I sign on any of these other teams, he's not going to have the chance to duck me. I'm going to get in the lineup. We'll be able to sell. Part of my agreement that it would be, say I signed in Jacksonville or South Carolina, I would get to play him at home so this team could get two, if they only average selling like 4,000 tickets, maybe we can sell 10,000 tickets and they can make 150 grand. And I get a chance and he can't duck me. They're in last place. They're not going to care if I just jump on the ice and beat the shit out of this guy. So that's how it came. And then when I saw that, that I started training a little harder and uh, trying to shed a few of those pounds, I think he called me a swollen sponge or something like that. Um, but yeah, so that, that, that's kind of how it happened. And then when I saw he got released, I kind of went back into retirement. I'm back in my cave and living the good life again. At 99 Sportsbook, you're heavily involved with them. How did, when did that all come about and, and how's that going? I've always loved to, to bet um, almost when it was illegal with bookies back in the day, always gambled within my own means, love to play poker. I think if there's one thing I could do, if I could do it as a profession and I'm not good enough, I'm good, but not good enough would be to be a poker player. I'm good, but I'm not good enough to make a lot of money. Uh, those guys are fucking unbelievable. I saw you guys had Daniel Negrano on. I yeah. play with him. He's just a wizard, math wizard. Uh, but I'd love to do that. So I was just putting out my, my, my bets. And then I was approached by a company and then bet 99 saw what I was doing. And then we kind of took it to the next level. So, you know, I study every day I'm on different sites and watch trends and watch games. But, um, like I said, I love football, love golf, love hockey, and just try to find where, where there's value. And, and that just came in. It's an unbelievable Canadian company, um, that, really allows me to, to be me. I can say whatever I want and uh, gives me the opportunity to, to do what I love. And that's, I, I love to bet on sports. Sports are great. I'm not saying I'm not trying to convince anyone into, into gambling. It's, it's, we know where it's evolved and, and you watch any sporting event. It's, some it's always a little more fun with a wager on the table. Eh? I don't care if it's a dollar <laughs> or a thousand dollars. You know, I'm, I'm not betting that's going to change my lifestyle, but it makes it more entertaining. It makes betting Buffalo, Ottawa on a Tuesday night in Ottawa, um, a game that I'll watch. You think I'm watching that game on a Tuesday night if I don't have a hundred bucks on it? Not a fucking chance in this world. I'm going out with my, with, with the wife for dinner and I'll make sure that there's a TV in the background so I can see the score. And Matthew Barnaby unfiltered book. Is that, that's really, that's really happening. Just finished it. Yeah, it was, it was, it was very cool. Very tough 
70,000 words is a lot of words for a guy that has a great That's a lot of words and a lot of bell checks. And, but yeah, it's really stories that we told today. Um, just a, a, a recount of my life, how I grew up. Uh, obviously, the years in the NHL and it's 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 not a book that has fluff. It's it's all the stories you want to hear with the words, uh, all the Rob Ray stories, all the getting drunk stories on, on the road, the fighting stories, the the mentality behind it, the fights with the coaches, the the shitting myself in the middle of the Drake Hotel um, after partying with Dennis Rodman. Um, just just a lot of lot of fun stories. Everything's everything's an open book. My DUI. Um, what happened with my wife when I kicked her garage and got arrested. All, all those things are, are in there and it's, it's coming from the horse's mouth. So how know, hard was that for you? I, I, it was easy to, to t- was it therapeutic in, in a way, in other ways, very difficult to kind of bring it up. I, I, I it's not difficult to bring up cause I'm not, I'm not ashamed. We all make mistakes. We all make mistakes, and I've always been. Park your mistakes in the past. It doesn't affect today. It doesn't affect tomorrow. I've made mistakes. I'm going to make more mistakes, hopefully not to the gravity that it has. The only thing that any of that has ever done, I, I, I never touched a woman. I never touched my ex-wife, so I don't. I kicked a garage door. Was it bad? Yes. Alcohol was involved. Terrible. I've made all my decisions. When I, told, when I grabbed a bouncer in... In Nashville, I didn't do anything wrong. With that. I, I'm not a blame first person. I put myself in a situation where I shouldn't have been. And I had a bouncer run at me and I caught him at the right spot at the right time. And he went down. Now, I paid the price for that, but whatever. I drove on three wheels because I was hammered. But the backstory was that was because I couldn't cross to Canada to see my son play hockey. I was in an emotional state. I didn't mean to get in my car and drive drunk. I, I just did it, not knowing because I was that hammered. So was it therapeutic? I guess. I, I guess the hardest part about any of that and writing it is the thing I'm most proud of in the world is because I didn't have a dad. I'm a father. And it's the thing I take most pride in is my kids. And I'll tweet about them. I'll post about them because I love them. You guys love your kids. It's the most amazing thing in the world. The only thing that ever affected me in that whole thing is not losing my job at ESPN or or having it in print. It's embarrassing your kids, and I know my it must have how it must have affected my kids, and that's probably the therapeutic is I put it in print, I put it out there, I've given my side of the story, which is is most important because you hear so many different sides of the story, yep. my side of the story, and it's the truth, and. Uh, hopefully my kids will read it and be proud of their dad. That's all I care about. There's, yeah. Well, that's the last thing and I'll end on this. Like, um, you know, cause I, I mean, I had a public incident uh, a few years ago and I know I heard from you, you reached out to me after that. And I've always appreciated that. Um, you know, and I wonder about that too. I, I worry that someday someone, some asshole is going to bring that up to my kid or whatever. And, you know, reminisce on a bad moment of my life and, you know, almost like yeah. pin it on him. Has that happened to you, to your son or daughter? Well, it hasn't happened to my daughter, but it happens to my son on a deal, right? Like he plays in the East Coast League. Man, if I was playing against him, I, I'd, I'd say the same thing. I'd, 
I, you, you attack to hurt and try to get him to take a penalty, try to get under the skin as best you can. You know, a few things are off limits, but hey, I, I'd attack him too. I, I'd say it. So it happens on a daily to him. Thank God. He, I, I'm sure it affects him in some capacity, but he uses it as motivation and he'll turn it. Now, I always say to people, be careful what you say to someone because you're fair game coming back. If someone says something to me, I'm not just going to take it. I'm going to come back and hurt you twice as hard as you hurt me. And I'm going to go to any length to hurt you. He's the same way. So I'm sure it affects him. Uh, but I've, I've told him it is what it is. Um, just it'll teach, it it'll teach him to have some thicker skin, right? I mean, I guess. Oh, he's got thick skin, man. It's leather. It's leather right now. Well, Barney, you know what I'll, I'll say? And I, 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 you know, I think I've said this before to you, but I was drafted by the Sabres in 98. You were still a part of the team. And, you know, a lot of guys, you know, guys, hockey players are good guys. When you're a young prospect, you come in, guys are good guys. But I remember you and I remember how good you were to not just myself, but, you know, all the other young guys. I remember bumping into you at Tim Hortons one morning and I was, I, I, you had no reason to even know who I was at all. I was there for rookie camp. I went down to Tim Hortons in the morning and you turned around and you saw me, you bought me my, my breakfast that morning. You talked to me for a few minutes. You had already moved on to another team. And I've always thought you were a class act, man. You know, I've always appreciated how, how good you were to myself. And like I said, all the young guys. So always appreciated that and, and very grateful that you come on the show and give us your time today. Guys, thank you. I think we're I think we're all built from the same cloth. I think we we're very lucky with what we did. We're we love Buffalo, um, but we're also fortunate and, and be able to you know do what we want to do as kids. And and I, I don't think we uh, all three of us take things for granted. I, I think that's 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 first and foremost. And we're only hockey players for a very short time. Where you, you want to be a good person, I think. Hopefully, um, everyone thinks that of of us and. Uh, knowing you two, knowing what you guys do in the community and talking to you and knowing you guys, um, even though Riv is a horrible, horrible uh, fantasy football player, still a great guy. And I've gotten to know him after the game. And Petey, uh, I appreciate those words as well. Cheers, my man. Uh, I mean it, man. I mean it. Look at this guy. He's taking a shot at me right as he's going out. That's it. (laughs) He's just a little shot. Hey, I don't have to. I don't have to worry about fighting anymore. And I got my tough guys over here. I got. I got. I got my David and Gretz and yeah. There you go. So we're good. We're good. Love, Thanks, Barney. Love it, Barney. Thanks awesome, for the time, man. man. Hey, roll rigs, Kyle Quick. You're out there. Roll Regals. Let's go. Oh yeah, you're a Regals guy. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm a Regals guy. Wow. <laughs> Cheers, boys. All right. Take we're care. We're deleting Barney. that Thanks, one. that's a wrap on another episode of after the whistle don't forget to follow us on twitter after the whistle and at craig revey 52 at the instigator 76 and you can find us as you already know on apple spotify and youtube and anywhere else where you can get your podcast thanks for tuning in don't forget to spread the word